It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. You know, we've got Jake Allen Bogan with us today. We'll get to that conversation in just a minute. Before we get there, guys, don't forget to go give us all a follow. Lockdown Rams, Downtown Rams. At JK Bogan DTR, LA underscore Rambling Bear. That's my personal Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hit us up, shoot some questions. Uh, got a listener question today I'm excited about. We'll get to later on the show. Also, while you're looking for the show, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Himalaya. Basically, if it's streaming podcasts, we're there. If not, let me know. I'll get us there. But as I mentioned, we've got a great show. we got Jake on today. If you didn't catch our crossover yesterday with Brian Peacock, it was awesome. It was insightful. Brian's one of my favorite guys here on the network. That was Wednesday's edition. Go back and check out Monday and Tuesday. We kind of recapped a little bit of that Seahawk game, and then we kind of put it in the past, and we're moving forward. Tomorrow, we've got Serena Morales for our Hype Friday edition. And looking forward to next week, we've got some exciting guests that I'll talk to you guys about later in the week, give you a little bit more insight on who we have coming back. But another great one today. So with that, let's just get into it. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Jake Ellen Bogan, and this is your lead story. Jake, with Clay Matthews out four to six weeks with that broken jaw and the 49ers and a rushing attack, which ranks number one in the NFL right now, coming into town, McVay has said that he's going to go to Samson Ibukum to get the start, throw in Bryce Hager coming off of injury and a few young guys looking to get their first action. What is your level of concern for the Rams and their linebacker group right now? Yeah, you know, Bear, it's it's genuine. Um, you know, I, I think... I, I mean, you know, some people would challenge me on this, but I do think Clay Matthews is a significant upgrade over Samson Ibukum right now. Anyway, um, you know, long term, that that's kind of where I see Ibukam. If he's going to end up becoming something, it's going to be in the long term. Uh, you know, he blew up last year in the Chiefs game. He's had right. a couple, you know, moments where he shined, but all in all, he's been pretty much average or sometimes below average. Uh, luckily for him, he has a running mate in Dante Fowler Jr. Um, you could likely expect to see uh, Obadiah Okoronkwo get an opportunity as well as Natrez Patrick. Uh, so adding that, you know, variety, um, you know, having that rotation, I, I think is going to benefit somebody like Ibu Cam uh, because it, it's really hard when you're, you know, you're subbing in and out. It's hard for especially the 49ers in the, the position they're in with the two tackles being out. McGlinchey is now out four to six weeks um, with that injury, the knee scope, I believe. Um, and, and we already knew about Joe Staley, you know, that those are pretty big losses. So th- the cool thing is for Ibu Cam, he comes in this game and he has a chance to really generate a lot of confidence moving forward because he's going to be taking over for, uh, clay for, you know, four to six weeks. So, you know, he really needs to, you know, put his best foot forward. And I think he can do that, uh, you know, this Sunday against the kind of a porous, 
you know, offensive line and, you know, albeit it's they're injured and, you know, I'm sure he knows that, but it, you know, when you get sacks, it doesn't matter how you get them because that's production. Yeah, no, you nailed it. And and that's a good part that you kind of mentioned there was basically he's got an opportunity with this game, even though you're looking at what they've done on the ground so far as a unit to kind of come in with a banged up offensive line, even though I think uh, only one of those guys was out uh, last week on Monday Night Football. Uh, who I think it was Joe Staley. Is that what you mentioned? Yeah, Joe Staley. He's been out uh a little bit, I think. Yeah, he's he, one of the best tackles in football. I'd say he's top ten. And they did they did some work on the ground without him. But now, as you mentioned, having two guys missing, what that opportunity really opens up. And I, and I kind of like what you said there about like having an opportunity to build some confidence by coming in and seeing some action right away and being productive. That could kind of catapult him into you know building that that part of his game up and actually saying, hey man, I do belong here. He had mentioned. Uh, in a quote kind of saying, I'll keep this seat warm until Clay Matthews come back, which I thought is kind of cool. But at the same time, I kind of want to have this have this mindset like I'm going to light this seat on fire. And when Clay comes back, he might have to find another seat to get in here because that's kind of what you're looking for. But I understand the quote as well. Um, you know, looking at the other two guys that you mentioned, Oboe, we're going to see some action from, as Sean McVay said, and Atris Patrick. What, you know, looking back to the preseason, what about those guys? What did you see in the preseason that kind of gives you a little bit of confidence or for Rams Nation to understand that, hey, these guys can come in and still play some ball? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's obviously, there's a lot here. Um, you know, it, it's funny with the analytical people because you can't measure confidence. You can't measure, um, you know, gel. You can't measure momentum. You can't, there's, there's simple, there's things that are so simple that you just can't measure on, you know, a chart. And I think when you look at this team coming off a tough loss against the Seahawks, the Rams can either, you know, step up to the plate and realize, look, we're not invincible. Okay. Um, we have completely swapped with the Patriots. The Patriots were uh, three and two last year. The Rams were five and zero oh at this point. Right. And now this year, the Rams are three and two and the Patriots are five and zero. Oh, and all of a sudden, I never understood why everyone was saying, oh, the Patriots, you know, why the Patriots anyway, we're saying, oh, we're the underdog. I get it now, kind of. Um, you're not the underdog in the sense, you know, they've been doing this for years. But last year, I do get it because as soon as you lose games early in the year, people make crazy judgments. Uh, I just want to, you know, bring this up, Bear, because I don't think many people are talking about this. Okay, it, it's very interesting, right? You know, oh, the 49ers are four and oh, you know, oh, my God, they're they are going to win the division. I've already seen so many different right. uh, projections and all. It's like calm down. First off, that's a quarter of the season. So congratulations. You're now judging an entire year based on a quarter of the season. Uh, second, Jimmy Garoppolo could go down any moment he's done that now two years in a row uh and they looked pitiful without him third the seattle seahawks exist too yeah so everyone's crowning the 49ers but you know i'll, I'll bring this up all right the the patriots started off three and two last year guess what record miami was the first three games they were three and oh wow you know uh the jets were three and three the Jets actually, they had strung along a couple wins and early in the season made people think, hmm, that shortly went away. The Bills looked like the, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, you know, they should probably have more than one win, uh, but, you know, they didn't get the job done. You are what your record is. You know what I mean? It's that is how it is. 
So I see striking similarities with the with these two divisions. And I think, you know, if you're going to judge the entire season, like people were judging, you know, oh, the Dolphins have a chance to dethrone the Patriots. And then the Patriots won 38 to 7. That shut everyone up really quickly. I'm not I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting anything like where the Rams are going to blow out the 49ers. But Sean McVay has had his way with the 49ers in the past. Well, and you're also saying perception always isn't reality, especially when it comes to the NFL football. Things happen oh, of course. fast. Uh, you're talking about a group of 53 guys that all kind of count on each other and lean on each other. You miss a guy like Garoppolo with an injury and all of a sudden this team looks a little different and it's a 17 week program, right? It's not a a quarter of the way program. It's funny. I had uh, someone in my girlfriend's family. He's a Raiders fan. And last week he said, well, if the playoffs started today, the rate, and I'm like, well, the funny (laughs) thing is the Raiders, (laughs) the, the, the season doesn't end today, right? There's a lot of football to go and we'll have to see about, you know, where everything shakes out. It's one of those things in, you know, if the season ends today is like the worst. I hate that type of thing. But we all kind of dive into those things in different forums and especially with the media as you're looking to kind of create stories and talk about things throughout. So uh, but I totally get that. And, and I want to continue to follow about this and talk a little bit more about these linebackers because we kind of started talking about, uh, you know, a bigger picture here. So we'll step aside. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll look a little bit more into the linebackers. I want to talk about some other positions, including the tight end offensive line, some other things that we have to look out coming into this game. Before we do, if you guys are heading out to the Coliseum this Sunday, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats app help you get there with your favorite live event. Enter the promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Metro Infinity. They are located just off the 210 in Monrovia. You got to go swing by their new multi-million dollar facility. It is amazing. Check it out. They've got an incredible selection of new and used cars. They're the only dealer in California that's family owned and has been in business for over 25 years. Yes, that includes them being the number one volume dealer in California. They are dominating the game when it comes to selling cars and especially in the Infinity world. One of my favorite parts about Metro Infinity is It's not like a regular dealership. If you don't like going down to the dealership and dealing with the salesperson and going through the old version of buying a car, no problem. They will bring the car and the paperwork to your home, to your office. Heck, meet them at the mall if you want. Whatever is comfortable for you, they will meet you there with the paperwork and the car. Make sure to mention Locked On because they're going to give you another $500 off your car purchase when you mention that. So if you're thinking about a new Infinity or even in the market for a new or used car, please give them a chance to earn your business. Believe me, you will not regret it. Make sure to say what's up to my man, Billy Adams. He is the manager down there. He will take care of you. They have over 50 certified pre-owned Infinities. You can reach them at 626-599-7510 or MetroInfinity.com. Again, they are located at 821 East Central Ave, Monrovia, California, just off the 210 in Monrovia. Metro Infinity, it will be the best car buying experience of your life. We'll be right back. Thursday edition Locked On Rams right after this. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Ram Station, we are back. Thursday edition. Our man Jake Ellen Bogan is with us from Downtown Rams. If you guys haven't checked it out, go hit up the website, downtownrams.com. Uh, listen to the podcast. They got the halftime show always coming with awesome stuff as well. Kind of some non-football talk, but in still the relative form of downtown Rams where it's just good stuff. So go check that out. Uh, if you haven't already, I know we share a lot of people that listen to a lot of the same podcasts. So uh, I'm sure we have some fans out here that are listening to us that know who Jake is and love the Thursdays when he's on, as do we. Uh, but I want to continue to talk a little bit about that linebacker because I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of these guys like Oboe and Atris Patrick and kind of what we saw from them in the preseason. And, and Jake, even from you through the draft process of these two on what we can expect and if these two guys could step in with some finally getting some, you know, action, some attention that they could actually contribute to this this team, not only throughout the season, but on Sunday in this game. Yeah, you know, I, I think you have to start, um, you know, with the depth because, you know, we can talk about Corey Littleton all we want and the improvements he's made and the strides he's made. And it's isn't it really funny with Corey Littleton, you know, oh, he's not doing anything. Well, he may not have his interception. There's forced fumble and you guys weren't, you know, really you were taking that for granted. And now all of a sudden he's not making those big plays and he's not doing anything. He's actually having a really good year. Um, but after him, you know, with the questionable, um, you know, health status of Taylor Rapp and Bryce Hager, um, you do have guys like Traven Howard has been one of the best special teams players I've watched on uh, film. I've watched on TV. Um, he is always there as a gunner, uh, just such a great special teamer. And I think he is definitely going to have a role um, at some point in the in the near future. Um, I'll be honest with you. OK, I. I we interviewed Troy Reader on our podcast. Um, Troy Reader, uh, formerly of Penn State, if that name kind of rings a bell, um, he actually told us on his podcast he decided to go to Delaware to play where his father played. Uh, so it was kind of yeah. a family thing. He decides to go to Delaware. And because he went to Delaware, it was like he kind of got overlooked. And so the Rams, you know, reaped the rewards there by, you know, picking him up an undrafted rookie for agency. And, you know, he ends up playing an I'll be honest with you. I thought he played pretty well. It may sound biased, of course, because he's a friend of the show. But I mean, I'm just telling you how it is. He had 13 tackles. He was, you know, somebody that I felt like filled a role. He's not meant to come in and be, you know, a world eater or anything by any means. But I thought he did a nice job. Um, you know, kind of hard to obviously, you know, replace somebody like Dakota Allen when you lose somebody like that from your draft class that you stole in the seventh round. So I do like you know, how they kind of have those guys. But you mentioned 
Um, Natrez Patrick is somebody that is going to be very ideal um, as he continues to develop, as he continues to have the coaching and being around the guys. Um, he has a chance. Uh, he's already played a, you know, a couple snaps on defense. Um, I know I say it like, Ooh, it's coming, but I mean, let's be real here. It just takes one right. little thing. Just look at, uh, you know, our guy Devlin Hodges over in Pittsburgh. Okay. <laughs> he went from on the downtown Rams podcast from Samford to now he might start the Sunday night football game that everyone wide flexed out for the Rams 49ers. Right. <laughs> so, you know, every it's a, it's a next man up league. And so you need those guys. You need an Atrez Patrick. You need somebody with upside. He's younger, by the way, I believe he's 21, 22 years old. So um, he's played, uh, you know, in the SEC uh, conference. So he has been around legit competition. I think he'd be absolutely ready if they asked him to start tomorrow, they won't, but I think they'll use him quite a bit. I think they'll, you know, cause that's the thing. How did Samson Ibu kind of get onto the field when Clay Matthews was the starter? They had a legitimate rotation. So when you have a rotation of guys like that, yeah, when you lose one of them, you have to replace it somebody. And I think they won't just replace him with uh, somebody like Natrez Patrick. They'll use Patrick. They'll feel out uh, Okoronkwo, and, you know, we'll, we'll see from there. Um, I'm really excited because I think this opens up the door. If things should further kind of fold, this opens up the door for my guy, Ja'Kai Polite, who is mm. sitting there on the practice squad, getting valuable reps in practice and is around just some of the best talent in the game. No, I love that. And that was one of the things we talked about when he first got added to the roster. Like, what is the chance of him getting to this active day roster. And and one of the ways of getting there was injury. It's not something we want to see, but at the same time, it's something we see all the time in football yeah. and something you have to deal with and you can't really complain about. So uh, obviously, you know, Bryce Hager is coming back and, and is kind of expected to play in this game, but always kind of scares me when a guy comes back from injury, will they be able to last through another physical, uh, you know, physical violent game? And you're looking at maybe two linebackers, that are banged up and you may have to continue to replace. And you talked about, you know, how they have that game plan of a shared role and that when you replace, when one guy goes down, you're not just replacing the, that, that one guy you're replacing. Now who's replacing his replacement, right? And it kind of goes down that effect. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers there and you know, how guy came out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's looking to start on Sunday and that is very much the same thing. If you get in and you're productive, and I think that's why we all really want to see Josh Allen get to an active day roster and to play some football here with the Rams because we figured if we just got in the game, he was going to make some plays, the coaches would be happy, and all of a sudden he's in the rotation. Uh, it didn't play out that way, but you're right. Looking at the Rams, and they've got a couple young guys that we don't really know a bunch about, right? We saw some of them in the preseason, and but uh, it's a different ball game in the regular season. I'm excited to see that rotation on Sunday and to see some of those guys get in there. Uh, you mentioned Troy Reader. I actually gave him a game ball on Monday's show. Uh, Pro Football Focus numbers came Ooh. out on Monday and basically said, what were you doing? Give him a, a game ball because his pro football numbers weren't very good. But I, I'm with you. For a guy that was really a selected um, spot start, basically, to go in there and to have 13 tackles, a couple of the catches that uh, were thrown his way and that were completed his way were kind of just great plays on the offense, right? He was there in coverage. Uh, he missed a couple tackles in the backfield that, you know, may have dinged him a little bit too. But for overall, from what I saw from him, and I'm glad you said it too, because I did, I gave him a game ball. And then the next day, Pro Football Focus was like, he got a grade of 40. And I was like, oh, I thought he did better than that. But again, there's a lot that go into those numbers. Uh, but those guys are young and they're going to have to put it together. And we'll see what this young group is going to do. It was something we talked about in the offseason and kind of 
the emotional hug, shall you say, that we got was the signing of Clay Matthews. It was like, all right, well, we got Clay Matthews. We got this guy that even though some people were like, oh, he's, he's over, he's done. He came out and got six sacks in five games. So oh, yeah. um, now we've got these young guys that have been hanging out with Clay Matthews that have been working in the same room with Aaron Donald and you know on that defense side of the ball. And hopefully they're ready to step up. That's kind of the mindset of a team. So we'll have to see how that kind of goes. Uh, linebacker is going to be a big question, obviously, as you're looking at George Kittle coming out of the, the backfield. He had a monster game versus the Rams last year or a couple of monster games versus the Rams. Uh, and then that run a lot uh, of monster games last year. Yeah, he had a lot of them last year. Uh, so that's going to be a challenge for those linebackers. One sticking with him. Obviously, you expect to see, you know, whether it's John Johnson, Eric Weddle, or even if healthy Taylor Rapp come down and help out with that matchup a little bit. But the run game, they're averaging 200 yards uh, a game on the ground, which puts them first in the NFL. So there's going to be something we got to watch there as far as our D line, our linebackers, how we match up with them in that. So we'll talk about this a little bit more. We'll flip it over. We'll take a break. We'll step aside, get a couple words from some sponsors. We'll be right back. Thursday edition Lockdown Rams right after this. Do you guys ever find yourself wishing that you can make some extra cash with your NFL knowledge? Well, at my bookie, they want to make your dream come true this season. I mean, if you look at it, between football season, MLB playoffs, and the start of NBA and NHL seasons, it is time to get off the sidelines and get in the action. You got multiple ways to bet. If you're one of the guys that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you multiply games together for a much bigger payout. Want to bet on fantasy? They got that too. Pick the over-under on the fantasy projections Get into the fantasy world while throwing some money down or the in-game live betting, which is my favorite. You don't like the score at halftime. You think things are going to change. Put some money down during the game and you can win your money back. It's like hedging your bet or doubling down on your bet. And if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Third and final segment. We got Jake Ellenbogen with us per usual for our Thursday throwdown here on Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Check us out. Check out Lockdown NFL. Matt Williamson, Brian Peacock, who was on yesterday, do a great job throwing it down. Uh, we are now evolving into the NHL world. We've got about 12 NHL podcasts, so if you're a Kings fan, Check them out. They're up and running. We've got, like I said, 12 others. We're going to continue to grow that. 
Uh, so things are happening here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Jake, I want to get over to a couple other things as we talked about linebackers. Another thing that we saw in last week's game that was exciting was finally some involvement with the tight ends. Uh, we saw Gerald Everett have one of his best games of his career, and Tyler Higby had a great game as far as pro football focus. Both those guys were our two top performers for the offense. Gerald Everett had seven catches, 136 yards on 11 targets. Tyler Higby went for three catches on three targets, 47 yards. Uh, they definitely came in handy when it came to things. We got a question from one of our listeners I wanted to ask here. This one's from Alberto Cantu. And he asked, I noticed from the All-22 that during the Thursday night football game, the Rams were employing a lot of 12 personnel. Do you think it was more of an adjustment used to help out the struggling O-line, or is this something that is trending for this season in general? What are your thoughts on that? It's a good question. I just, with McVay, I just don't know. You know, I really don't know. I think the Rams are kind of doing all sorts of things, right? You know, you're trying to... Clearly, things aren't going the way you want them to, although it's really not as bad as everyone else is saying. Again, when you lose games early in the season, doesn't matter if you're above 500, you're considered, you know, oh, this, you know, you're in trouble. And it's not the case, but, you know, the, the Rams offense has struggled and they've struggled because they've already set this kind of, you know, this tendency and they've already set the the bar pretty high. You know, so, you know, they've been doing all sorts of things. Um, You know, I really like uh, being able to implement Gerald and uh, Tyler Higby. Um, I think, you know, in my opinion, you want the three, the big three receivers out on the field pretty much almost all the time. Um, But you know what I liked when Cooks went down? The next guy was not uh, Josh Reynolds. It was Gerald Everett. They were using him right. out wide as a receiver. So that gives me hope that, okay, you know, because you and I talked about this. Reynolds has not impressed us at all. Um, it was, I think it was the last podcast we talked about. Yeah, I think I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because it was off air. And we said, man, where's he been? And we said, we should talk about that a little bit further. And here you go. I'll let, I'll let you keep oh, going because yeah. you're right. That was something <laughs> that we were going to talk about. And I think he finally got a catch on on Thursday Night Football. And I was like, I instantly thought of you and I was like, oh, here's the guy that we've been missing all year. So so go on, yeah. continue. Well, you know, I really liked this game and it's a bummer the Rams lost because it kind of made people. Well, it didn't because the result, but it was going to make people right. shut up. One, the reason it was going to make people shut up was about Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby deserved his contract extension. Did he get a little bit more than he deserved? Maybe. OK, but, you know, the general market. It, just because he's not being used like a Travis Kelsey or uh, a Zach Ertz or a George Kittle doesn't mean he can't be up there with them. I'm not saying he right. is them, but I'm saying you mind the usage is a lot higher for those teams, right? Travis Kelsey right now is the number one target for Patrick Mahomes when Tyree kills out. Uh, Zach Ertz is Carson Wentz's number one target. The Rams, their number one target is Cooper Cup. And, you know, I believe Robert Woods is the best receiver in that group, but sometimes he's the third, sometimes he's the second, sometimes he's the first. So you have three, you know, starting receivers, you have three number one receivers. It's hard to kind of delve into the tight ends when, you know, and then you need them and then they can come through. And that's why, you know, how about Tyler Higby though? You know, we can talk about Gerald Everett because he got the volume um, and I was really impressed with Gerald Everett. And I think, you know, he's finally going to come into his own, hopefully, um, but Tyler Higby just looks different. Gerald Everett looks like Gerald Everett. 
He just looks like Gerald Everett with production. Tyler Higby legitimately looks faster. He looks quicker. He's more decisive. Yeah. God, watching him catch passes last year, it was like he's the the fullback right. you're throwing to out of the offset eye. And and then, you know, you throw it to him and it's like that screen and he gets decked like he's Corey Harkey. And it's like, dude, you are six foot five. You are 250 pounds. How's yeah. that? Like, you need to run him yep. over. Like, what are you doing this year? I've been really impressed with him. He may not be able to break tackles, but he's done a good job at, you know, kind of becoming Ger- not Gerald Everett, but kind of like Gerald Everett. And in fact, you know, he's he's gotten better at, you know, miss, you know, dodging tackles and, and whatnot. But I, I just love how smooth I want to I want to add a couple know? things there because I, I think you're exactly right as far as he looks different from last year and, and talking about Higby is and you talked about the decisiveness. He catches the ball and he's turning right up field and he's going for more yards the first couple of years. He kind of started going left to right and, and seemed nervous that he had the ball. You, you mentioned and compared him almost to catching like a fullback catching a pass. And it looked like that at times last year, this time he, he just seems more comfortable in his own body in, in this offense and really taking on that role. So I hope that it kind of, you know, that contract might've been that confidence booster that he needed to kind of say, okay, I don't have to worry about where I fit in on this team anymore. Just go ball. And he's kind of definitely taken that on. And you talked about Gerald Everett being Gerald Everett and kind of, doing what we expect and, and going upwards and upwards and, you know, going back uh, to Alberto's question about this, you know, the, the 12 personnel versus the 11 personnel, there was the Brandon cooks injury kind of shook some things up and we, you know, changed a little bit things from there, but I'm hoping. And the one thing that's tough with McVay is he changes his game plan a lot like Belichick from game to game, right? One game, you know, it might be pass heavy and well, like three or four games it might be pass heavy. Uh, but, it may be, you know, focusing on the tight ends, maybe focusing, okay, we got a great mismatch uh, with Bobby Woods and or Brandon Cooks, and we're going to go to that, or we're going to try to set up identity per game. And I think he's getting to this point where, you know, he had mentioned it a few times, we've talked about this weekend, but they've got to set up an offensive identity for the team, for just the plan moving forward. So hopefully that involves using some tight ends because we saw some success and we saw Gerald Everett being able to handle that other than the tip pass that went through his hands for an interception, a you know, a miracle play, not a miracle play, but a wonderful play on the defense there to get that interception. But he had a heck of a game, uh, trustworthy hands. And then you're looking at the improvement of Higby. So I really like it. I hope that the involvement in this gets back to, you know, increasing the role. Same like Todd Gurley, getting him the rock more did in that first half of the game, not so much in the second. So uh, I appreciate your question, Alberto. And I think this is one of those things that we just have to kind of wait and see. Like Jake said, it's hard to tell what, what Sean McVay is really trying to do, especially as the game plan changes from week to week. But hopefully we'll see some consistency as far as getting those guys in together uh, and utilizing them. Because if you talk about even, you know, you talked about the three wide receiver threat, let's let's just take two of them, two tight ends and a running back. And that's tough to guard still figuring out who you're going to take and the matchups of size, speed and really, you know, Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield is a tough thing to do. So we need to see some more consistency with the offense. I'm going to flip it forward as we look to this matchup. Uh, I just want to hear your general thoughts about the matchup. And then from there, we'll just kind of kick into some predictions. What you think this is going to look like on Sunday, uh, maybe a score prediction, but what are your big concerns coming into this game? And how do you think we win the, the ball game? Yeah. So my biggest concern, um, you know, right off the cuff is that defensive line that I just don't think gets enough credit. Uh, DeForest Buckner has been the best uh, interior defensive lineman, um, not named Aaron Donald for the last two years. I've, I've been saying this and yet he still gets slept on. Um, but the crazy thing, Eric Armstead, 
their first round pick from Oregon a few years back. He has finally found his way and he's really good. And he keep in mind, he's a physical freak, just like the Oregon mate he has next to him in DeForest Buckner. So you have those six foot seven guys, these huge football players that can eat a lot of space, but they're also really athletic. They're able to get in between the tackles, uh, you know, able to blow up plays left and right. But then it, it gets worse if if you're not a 49ers fan, because now you had Nick Bosa, who I mean, I had uh, Brian Burns as my number one pass rusher in this draft, and he's having a great season. Um, but Nick Bosa is right up there. I had him number two. And, you know, for many people, he's the best pass rusher from this draft. And Nick Bosa is a surefire thing. He's like, you know, when Miles Garrett came out, you could just tell he's just different. Right. Um, Nick Bosa explodes. I'm on NFL football. That's the type of guy you're going against. And we're not done there. D4. Okay. (laughs) You know, at one point he was considered a first round bust. Actually, I think he fell into the second round. I don't actually remember, but he was he was an early pick. And at one point, he was considered a bust, didn't really do anything in Kansas City. And then he finally found his way as well. And he really took off. And, and then they traded him uh, because he basically cost them a, you know, a shot at the Super Bowl. Um, I can't <laughs> yeah, really blame right. them. But <laughs> but I <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't think Rams fans would have minded, you know, a redo yeah. with the Chiefs. Um, anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, D Ford, he having him there, having Bosa, having Eric, Eric Armstead, having, um, you know, DeForest Buckner. And then, I mean, people don't talk about him and, you know, he could be a bust and he could be on the trade block, but Solomon Thomas is still, you know, he exists. And if he, you know, is just a late bloomer, like, you know, uh, Eric Armstead, then I'll tell you right now. Uh, they're going to be deep for a long time. Um, they have a really good front four. And then they, you know, they added guys like Aquan Alexander. They have Fred Warner, who, I mean, I, I, I said it, you know, all over our Twitter uh, when I was at the Senior Bowl uh, a couple years ago uh, from BYU. This Fred Warner kid was flying all over the field. Like, just he was just a, a maniac. And then he ends up being the guy and everyone thought Reuben Foster was going to be their guy. Well, he takes over and I mean, he's great. And then Richard Sherman, yeah. he's kind of been a, you know, a revitalizing season. I don't think people are talking about him enough. I don't think people are talking about the development of Akella Witherspoon um, enough. So, you know, I think they have a lot of talent, but that defensive line to me, is the biggest issue. We could talk about Matt Burita. We could talk about, you know, Tevin Coleman looks so much better than Devontae Freeman. I don't know why the Falcons didn't choose him, um, but we, we could talk about that all we want. We could talk about Jimmy G. We can talk about Dante Pettis. We could talk about George Kittle. Those are common things. Like the Rams know what they're dealing with, with their offense. Like, you know, the 49ers have always had a talented offense and they just had an injury to the most important position at quarterback. Now they have a really good front four and that really good front four is going up against two first year starters, a mediocre at best starter. It doesn't look like we're getting Austin Blythe from the first 11 games last year back, uh, a aging Andrew Whitworth and a regressing Rob Havenstein. So to, to add on to that, um, this is again is from pro football focus, but from left to right on that defensive line, 
uh, Bosa, Buckner, Armstead, and Ford. Here's how they grade out. 84.5, 73.1, which is the lowest, which is still a good score there. 82.2 and 80.3. That's how they go from left to right. Here's our left to right on the offensive line as far as pro football focus scores go. Andrew Whitworth, 70. Note boom, 37.4. Allen, 53.1. Blythe, 41. Havenstein, 52.8. Just looking at those numbers, this matchup's going to be tough. It's going to be really the key to this game as you circled as we kind of got into this prediction area. And I totally agree with you because whoever wins that battle is going to have a huge advantage in controlling this game. With that said, prediction time. What do you got? Uh, you'll have to go first this time. I don't have a score yet. <laughs> oh, ooh, I like it. I like it. I always let you guys go first. I like the little counter throwback. I'll go first. Why not? And I think I threw up a score yesterday and I'm trying to stay consistent because I do predictions uh, with everyone. It's going to be a 35. Fun, <laughs> You're going to say. 30 yeah, something. yeah. I, I can. I well, swear. I, you know it. I, I I stick. I live in the thirty predictions with the Rams because it, looking back at what they do, they kind of live around that thirty mark. Oh, absolutely. So, um, I and I was actually one point off. I just got it the wrong way last time. I said, uh, I think it was twenty nine to thirty, but I had the Rams winning instead. It was the Seahawks winning. But uh, this week I'm going thirty three to thirty. I think it's going to be a close ball game. Uh, I think this is going to be one where the Rams can, you know, finally hopefully score a touchdown in the first quarter. Only NFL team not to yet so far uh, this season. So if we get a first quarter touchdown, uh, JB Long tweeted this awesome stat that basically said we are incredible on defense right away. We've deferred every time. Incredible on defense, holding to only seven points, I think, out of all the drives. And then we score near the end of half. And then we outscore our opponent at the very first position, 27 to nothing or something like that. It's basically incredible to finish a half and to open up the second half. But we got to start early in this first half. I say 33 to 30 Rams. And I'm going to give Greg the leg the win here. He needs it. Uh, well, he probably doesn't need it. He's done so many awesome things. But uh, put him back he in set that. set y'all to the Super Bowl. Exactly. He's done enough. But at the same time, I think just real quickly on a bounce back week, it would be fun to see kind of this thing come full circle, us get in position and, you know, a nice easy and, you know, maybe make it long. Maybe maybe he's more comfortable from 50 plus. But I think at 33 to 30 Rams win, uh, we even some things out here in the NFC West. And like you said, the Niners still have to play us again. They got to play the Seahawks twice. The Seahawks have to play us again. They got to play the Niners twice. We're going to beat each other up here in the NFC West and see who ranks out on top. But that's it. 33 to 30 Rams. Now you're on the clock. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so so first off, anybody that you know has any issue or is blaming the game on Greg Zerline, don't don't talk to me. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I need to cool me too. off because, oh my God, like the only thing worse than losing to the Seahawks is losing to Pete Carroll. Like, I, I swear that <laughs> dude has wronged me in so many ways. Keep in mind, I like USC. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners do. So, uh, oh, just God. Anyway, it, it's, yeah. it's almost as annoying <laughs> as people be like, oh, Greg Zerlund costs us the game. Yep. And let's take away his 11 points and see if we still have that many and have a chance of winning the game. Right. Anyway, exactly. I am going to go. Damn, this is tough because it's like I could see it being like what you said, but I also feel like the Rams defense really turns it around. And I think people are overrating the 49ers. And you know what tends to happen in these cases is, you know, something folds. I'm not saying 38-7 like the Patriots and Dolphins. <laughs> I think they're better than right. the Dolphins of last year, but I'm going to say that the Rams uh, break into the 40s. 
And I'm going to, I guess it's kind of a blowout. Uh, all right. I'm going to say 42, 21. Um, Woo! look, the, the Rams offense, I will double down on this when they are fully, you know, uh, uh, yes, I will double down on this. Once the offensive line gels and the Rams offense and Jared Goff is back to being Jared Goff that we know and love. And I think he took strides in that direction on Thursday night. I will bring that up. Once they get there, they will be the best offense in the National Football League. Don't give me the Chiefs. The Chiefs showed you. They showed you at home. They showed you at home that they could be beaten. The Colts came into Arrowhead, and they beat them on primetime, and that's when Patrick Mahomes flourishes. I'm sorry. I think when you have the offense that they have, they're just they're things that aren't working right now Sean McVay isn't doing enough I don't think Jared Goff is doing enough although he's getting there I think McVay is getting there I think this offensive line is getting there when everything comes together this is going to be the best offense in football like I said preseason number one offense number one defense the defense had a rough stretch the last couple games uh, but this is still a defense that you know looked really good week one, looked really good week two, and looked really good week three. And you know, I think now we're we're all of a sudden, oh, the Rams don't have a defense anymore. Oh, the Rams don't really have an offense. Oh, the Rams are sixth in scoring per game with twenty nine point something points per game. Um, they should have more than three wins. They've gone up against some good teams, okay, or a team that you guys proclaimed as a Super Bowl champion. Uh, before the season started. And that's why we don't do that with the Cleveland Browns. Anyway, <laughs> I will say this number one offense by the end of the year. Okay. And I think this game is going to propel the Rams wherever they can go. Okay. If I'm right and the Rams drop 40 and they win convincingly, the Seahawks are really going to wish they didn't win in that fashion. They're going to wish they beat the Rams the way that like they're going to wish the Rams didn't lose on miss field goal because the Rams will be out for blood. Um, yeah, the Cardinals are lucky. They get the Rams at the end of the year, like twice. Um, right. You know, and it's like by that time, Kyler Murray will be totally comfortable and, you know, things will be a lot better for them. Uh, but the 49ers right now, they are in the worst spot uh, for any undefeated team. Um, you, you know, I don't, I would not want to be in the 49ers shoes. You're you're playing well, the defending NFC champions after they just lost on a missed field goal in a game in which they dominated. I'm sorry. I don't care about Russell Wilson's stats. The Rams outplayed Seattle and they should have won by 10. Yeah, we got to stop kicking field goals and scoring touchdowns. I mean, that's definitely a part of it early on in that game. We should have been up 14 instead of we were up six. So there are those things that need to be cleaned up. But I get what you're saying. We're trending in this in this way that you feel good about it's it. Coming. And I love it because this is the Thursday edition. We still have the hype edition. Uh, Jake is already rallying us up and getting us ready for that Friday hype edition because that's some good stuff there. I love it. You're laying it out there. Big win is what you're saying this weekend. And we could really use it because, man, the close loss. A big loss at home, coming back and an undefeated team. It would be a really big win for the Rams. So I like it. We both got them winning the game. You got them winning comfortably. I got this as a Greg the Leg uh, save the day field goal. But I would love it your way. Sounds a lot better your way. I'll tell you that. But uh, we'll see how it shakes. It's less. Yeah, it's less drama there. <laughs> it's less stressful. Yeah. So we'll see how it shakes out. Which I think we all deserve. We all do deserve that. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to talk to you next week and break down. Uh, how this offensive line did and really see if what you're predicting as far as them getting better and better 
is the case because that's what we all hope. That's all what we see as we look back to last year. So hopefully that's the case. But uh, with that said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.